hopefully it'll be time. I think they will. Um, we're going to do some uh, what we call an MDR resourcing so that you can kind of teach your clients how to do this. And it's just really, it's almost like magic. It's just really cool the way it works. Um, so we'll go ahead and get started. Um, so the world breaks everyone and afterward many are strong at the broken places. Um, so the thing with the brain and trauma is that sometimes, oftentimes, trauma is resolved spontaneously. You know, we integrate our emotions, our beliefs, our body sensations about an experience. We may have friends and family to kind of help us integrate that and kind of process these, these memories, the bad things that happen. Um, and if an experience is processed, we can understand it was a negative experience, but we can also link it to positive um and more useful information for instance like if you know yeah that was awful but look at all these people that came around to support me and yeah i had that fire but gosh everything was replaced and everybody was so wonderful and you know those kind of traumas get integrated and we just move along you know and there's no like real strong horrible emotions attached to it but when there's strong emotion attached to the memory the, the patient or the client experiences a freeze or a, or a fawn response, the memory can somatically get stuck. You know, so we experience, you know, the hypervigilance and the um, uh, OCE, you know, or just the, the typical uh, PTSD symptoms, nightmares, trouble sleeping, um, you know, looking behind you all the time, just being jumpy in general. Um, those are all things that my clients typically um, have. You know, um, so, you know, then there's lots of symptoms, of course. Uh, so, you know, oftentimes traumas affect the way we think about ourselves. And an MDR works to change the negative beliefs associated with the traumas, such as um, helpless or I'm not worthy. I don't have value. It was my fault. I'm not safe. You know, and they even believe these things when they were small children. You know, they're like, well, I couldn't tell, I didn't tell anybody, you know, or I couldn't tell anybody. And, um, you know, so, and so what EMDR does is it kind of shifts the cognitive, it does a cognitive shift um, so that that belief now becomes what we call a positive cognition. You know, we work on that in the beginning too. We kind of say, okay, what's the negative belief you have about yourself? And they'll say, you know, we help kind of work work around that too and help a client kind of process what is that negative belief I have about myself that the event happened, you know? So if it was something like I was not safe or I'm not safe ever, um, the cognitive could be, you know, I'm an adult now and I can be safe or I was a little kid and I wasn't responsible for that. That wasn't my fault. You know, my dad was on drugs and he did all these things and you know, he was, he was sick. You know, it can also shift to other people that they have more compassion for others, um, which is very nice to see, too. Um, does anybody have any questions so far? I know I'm just kind of getting started, but, the, um, you know, we do, we do EMDR in, in phases and uh, phases and stages. And so, like, the first stage would be... Um, you know, like just doing an assessment and kind of figuring out what, what a person is, um, you know, what they're coming in for, what kind of traumas that they've had. Um, the, the next step or stage, um, well, I don't know them by heart. I will say that. And I didn't, I didn't run them down. <laughs> I just kind of know how we do it. Um, the, second, the second step that I do is I, I do resourcing with the client because I feel like the resourcing coping skills or something that they can take outside the outside the office with them, and I have them practice it. Um, resources are used during EMDR in case a person wants to get flooded and get overactivated. Um, I'm able to, uh, you know, kind of say, okay, let's 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 do that thing. Or even if it was a a very activating event. At the end of the session, I'll say, okay, before, before we leave, just in case we didn't finish and get to get them down to zero, um, in case they didn't finish, I will ask them to, uh, you know, let's use your container. Let's do some stuff so that before you leave, we can kind of keep it here at the office. You don't have to take it with you. Um, and that's helpful for a lot of people, too, to kind of, um, you know, uh, 
to leave it in the office as a metaphor. Lots of metaphorically things are going on in EMDR for me anyway and how I practice. Um, the, uh, also, so, so when I say reduce their, their so subject units of distress, which is scaling. So when we're, when we're talking with a person and saying, well, they'll say, well, I'm helpless. And so I'm like, um, so I'm like, well, how disturbing is that to you now? And we talk about body, body disturbances as well, which we'll uh, get to on this one here. So um, the vagal nerve, oh boy. okay, there we go. Um, so in latter phases of reprocessing, and while we're asking, so ask about that, I always ask, you know, where, where are you look, where are you holding that in your body? Where, where do you feel it? And they'll tell me, you know, it's, it's, you know, in my throat, I feel it in my chest, I feel it in my gut. You know, it's almost always in line with the, with the, the vagal nerve. Um, so, you know, they'll, and the body holds that. And I think, you know, so we kind of ask them to hold the worst part of the trauma. I'm sorry, I'm getting mixed up. Um, so when we start, and I'll say, well, where are you holding that in your body, and how disturbing is it on a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being the worst ever, I'm ready to have a panic attack and run out of the room. Sometimes those events are like a 9 or a 10 or a 7, you know, they're pretty high. Um, sometimes they're a 4, you know. Um, what we're going to do later is I'm going to uh, ask you to come up with something that's like a 2 or a 3 disturbance. Um, but then we also want to say, okay, so how would you rather think about this this event when you think about it? And they'll say, well, I want to I want to believe that I, that I am worthy or I do have value. So we'll say, well, how true is that on a scale of one to seven? Seven being absolutely true. How true does that does that feel to you right now? Usually it's like a one. You know, they're like, oh, that's not true at all. You know, so as we're processing and by processing. Um, you know, as we're doing that, we kind of look for the true statement to go up and the suds to go to go down. You know, the goal is to get them to a zero. Um, and most times it can be done in one session, but an hour and a half is really an ideal time to do it. But, um, you know, sometimes I can get it done in an hour, a half an hour, if it's just like one event. Um, but we... Um, we also, at the end of it, we will that. So if if they do get to the um, do get to zero and they do, you know, goes to zero and seven, what we do is we ask them to hold that the memory and the new belief together and kind of process slowly that way. You know, so it's like we call that installing, and so that they can handle similar problems in the future. And we also help people understand how the trauma can be stored in the body again and help them to allow the nervous system to experience that release. So um, something else that I do and um, is, you know, like I had a client who uh, had a um, abusive partner in the past and was very, um, very uh, mean, like in the car and would yell and scream. And, and this has caused her to be afraid or have very high anxiety, even just the thought of someone else driving her somewhere would just cause her to panic. Um, she would have to have the air conditioner blowing on. Even in the wintertime, the air conditioner would have to be going full blast. She would almost be having a panic attack with somebody else driving. But, you know, inside, she wouldn't, like, you know, freak that person out or anything. But, um, you know, we've worked through the memory of her riding with this abusive partner. And then afterwards, we we got that down to a zero and a seven. And then we kind of imagined that she was in the car with her spouse and, you know, how she would feel doing that and really, really walk and walk her through it. So people that do EMDR really need to have a, a good imagination. And they also have to hold dual attention. So they have to be able to kind of tap and and think and imagine and kind of do all these things simultaneously. So it is important if we have somebody with a really, really high anxiety, which I have a couple right now, 
they just can't do even the resourcing. Their just heart is just, their breathing is shallow, their heart's racing. And so I really have to sit and do meditation and let's just talk, let's get to know each other, look around the room, kind of, you know, activating the vagus nerve. And, um, you know, but during the, um, so with that one incident, um, you know, she sent me a text that night at like 10 o'clock at night saying, I went, I went to Lowe's with my husband and I didn't have to have the air conditioning on. And, and I was like, gosh, did he notice? She was like, yeah, he didn't say anything until we got back home. But he was like, like, wow, what happened? You know? Um, but somatically getting, getting kind of back to that, um, you know, I also had people move in their session that like this one particular client, she was, they also in the shower, she was like, you know, he never wanted her to have the shower, the bathroom door closed. So now, like present day, she was always having to look behind her to make sure nobody was coming into the bathroom. And so I told her, well, look, look behind you, you know, see, you know, let, let your body make those movements. Um, you know, one client said, I want to punch him, you know, is it okay if I do this? And I was like, do that, you know, kick and scream, let's get your body moving, you know? And, um, it's really, really helpful for the body to kind of release all that stress and that pent up stuff, you know, because we, we do hold those traumas, um, you know, so, you know, in teaching people how to vagus nerve and how to understand their body sensations does have a direct link to their thoughts um, or their thoughts have a direct link to their body, you know, which we'll learn later. Um, so as I said before, you know, dual attention kind of keeps the client grounded in the present and they have, they have the therapist that help them remember that they're not alone and that memories can't hurt them. Uh, I also use ego state therapy with my EMDR a lot. Um, and the client is invited to go back into their memory and be what they needed in that memory. So usually as an adult, you know, they'll go back and remove their younger self from the scene, hug them. They may, uh, you know, attack their their abuser or, you know, just rescue. You know, like they may call DCS, you know, on the parents that were acting crazy at the time, you know. And then we also kind of create a, um, with ego state therapy, you create a, a place, a safe place. And we create a team of people that are even imaginary or real that can hang out at like a very neutral and safe place in their mind. It could be like a childhood a place that they used to go play, it could be a playground, you know, so we get this team of people at this playground. So in there, what they imagine is that they're going into that memory and taking that child and hugging them and then take them to the, uh, the place and introduce them to these people or maybe introduce them to their spouse or their, um, you know, and let them know, hey, you're grown up now. You know, you don't have to protect me anymore. You know, I'm going to protect you. I'm here to help you. And it's just such a beautiful thing to see. I even get emotional thinking about it. Um, uh, but anyway, it's just, it's just, beautiful to watch it really is um you know for them to do that um so when we are experiencing trauma um you know and living in that kind of hyper vigilant state your limbic system is jacked up you know so uh you know your adrenaline's going your kidneys get there um you know their the adrenal glands are, are pumping and you know pretty much all the time so there's this resting state and with the tapping, so I use tappers, you know, typically as eye movements. Um, I use these buzzers I give to people. Uh, people at home can use uh, butterfly hugs or tap their legs or tap the table. Um, but the really what's going on is that is uh, calming down the limbic system and it's kind of settling things down. So they can think about the memory and think about the trauma without the emotions kind of attached to it. Or there may be some emotions. I'm not going to say that there's not because people do cry and they do get scared. Um, but it's always nice to be the one in the room to say, it's just a memory. It can't hurt you. You're doing great. You know, what What would you do now if you were to go back in that memory and, and help, you know? And so 
through that tapping, the suds gets reduced. The, um, you know, the, the positive cognition comes up and it's just this metamorphosis that happens and it's so fun to watch. Um, also, I don't know, I mean, um, how many of you know about the hand model with, uh, what's his name, Dan Siegel? Um, but I show this to clients a lot and I'll say, you know, and I'll show them a picture of the brain kind of similar to this one. And I'll show them the hand model and I'm like, you know, I mean, have y'all seen it? Because I'm not going to do it if y'all seen it. Well, I guess I will. So, <laughs> um, so you know, pretend like your wrist is the is the brainstem and then this is your amygdala kind of from the inside. And this is how I explain it to clients. You know, your amygdala is directly linked to all the trauma and all the memories and it's deep inside your brain. And this is the part of your brain that um, does the logic and the thinking and your um you know you know what to do you know how to handle things you know but when the amygdala when when your limbic system is kind of jacked you flip your lid you know all this goes offline but what also happens is your digestive system goes offline your kidneys go offline your immune system goes offline um all of these things that help us function day to day are not working so your focus is not good your concentration is not good your uh you know you may have ibs diarrhea constipation all those types of things you know immune system lupus um all the you know arthritis rheumatoid arthritis anything that kind of can attack it because you're leaving everything unguarded when we're like this so the resources that we use will help put that neocortex back down so you can function because you're you know, I've, I've had clients come in and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't know what to do. I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't think. Yeah, you couldn't because this is up. This is offline, you know. So when people can make these conscious decisions and get this back down, they can kind of understand that, wow, that was really not my fault. I did not, um, you know, I, I was helpless. You know, I was helpless. But, you know, I was a little kid, um, you know, and I couldn't help that. Um so does anybody have any questions? That is pretty much. We're going to spend the rest of the time um, doing these resources. It's fun stuff. Jennifer? Yes. Can you, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Uh, as you were speaking, one of the things that came to mind um, when you were talking about, you know, like let them scream, get the body moving and, and all that type of thing. It reminded me of something I once read in, in some of the research about uh, anthropology, animals, human connection and all that. But if you've ever watched uh, like a, a gazelle or antelope being chased by a lion out in the wild after it's all said and done and there's uh, no threat that antelope will just stand there and then shake, uh, shake tremendously. Yeah. And that's where we get the expression, just shake it off. Um, and animals do that after anxiety. And I, I love watching my dog. I can see when there's been anxiety simply because he'll do the shake afterwards type of thing. Um, but it made me think about that when right. you were talking about that. Yeah, we want the client to shake it off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yep, yep. And the, and the way that it's processing stuff is the, uh, you know, because humans, we just kind of hold it, you know, we just kind of hold on to it. And animals, um, uh, you know, the animals just forget it. They're like, okay, it's over. Let me go back to eating. You know, where humans are like, oh my gosh, did you see that? That's just, da, 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 da. you know, so we got to continue processing things unlike, unlike animals. Yeah. What were you going to say, Thad? Um what you were describing is very similar to or reminded me of what we talk about in Gottman Method Counseling about being emotionally flooded. Um, that any time we're highly emotionally aroused, the uh, prefrontal cortex will shut down. Exactly. And so trauma i think leaves a permanent imprint but any kind of upset is going to cause us um to have this flip where our 
rational abilities are diminished. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, that, that is kind of what happens, you know, for sure. Um, Shauna asks, how do you keep the process of engaging in EMDR from being mechanistic since there are specific stages and protocols to follow? So this, so when we're processing, um, so at first, like when I was first trained, my, my clients like understood that I was going by the book and they knew I was getting this training and they were ready for me to come back and give it to them, you know. Um, but really it is kind of a natural thing. So you start, like I'll say, okay, we'll fo focus on the worst part of that memory. And we do some tapping, you know, and they're focusing on it. And I do this for like, I let them tap for about 30 seconds. And I'll say, okay, stop, take a deep, deep breath in and out. And like, what do you notice? And they'll be like, well, I noticed that, um, that my chest feels tighter. Okay, we'll notice that. So we kind of let that flow until there's really some kind of movement in the memory, you know? And when it's like, you know, gosh, I was so scared when that happened, you know? Well, how, you know, you were really small. Notice how small you were, you know? So it is kind of, it's not just kind of tapping and then stopping them. What do you notice? This is going on, continue. It isn't really that kind of rigid in the, in the therapy itself. So I love it though, because there's structure to it. Because I can say, okay, we're going to do this and this and this. Because just talk therapy scares the daylights out of me. <laughs> For the most part, anyway. It's like I have to do something. I'm a doer. You know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a doer. But, um, but not CBT stuff. Not, 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 a, not a worksheet doer. Um, but this is a, um, you know, there is a nice flow to it. Um, I feel anyway, and I can kind of, and sometimes when they know, and I talk about ego state therapy to begin with, they, they know, and they, they've done it before. So as they're processing, they'll be, I'm like, what do you notice? And they're like, and they just naturally will go, I'm, 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 ta I'm taking her to Pat, Paul's house, you know, we're going to sit all, we're, we're, we're sitting on the porch and I'm, I'm sitting with her or, you know, she's sitting on Pat, Paul's lap and we're smiling and we're blowing bubbles now you know and that kind of integrates the whole process and kind of lets them become the caregiver that they needed so it is kind of a beautiful thing that way um you know but that's a good question does anybody else have anything okay. all right well we can you can always ask more questions um so what uh, I would like for you all to do, so what we're going to do is some resource thing. Um, Rosalind, Rosalind's also trained in EMDR. Did you have anything to add to that? Um, do you want to add anything or am I, am I doing it right? I did want to share some kind of a little neat thing that actually happened to me with the somatic stuff going on. Um, when I was, I was getting EMDR therapy last year for a memory I had when I was real little and, um, you know, while I'm processing and I have a stutter that uh, sometimes becomes really activated at certain times. And so I've always kind of wondered, why do I have this stutter? I want to find out I'm ready for it to be cured. I don't want to have it anymore. And in this memory, when I was processing, I felt this discomfort here, like tightness in my neck, right here on the side of my neck. And I was like, oh. And I was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't scream in that memory. Maybe that's why my neck is tight. And then we processed a little bit more. And then the, then the discomfort moved to this side of my neck. And then we processed a little bit more, and it was moving up my jaw. And, you know, for 24 hours, my jaw was very stiff and I couldn't hardly open my mouth. It was just the weirdest thing. Um, but I was still also processing myself, kind of doing some bilateral music, um, you know, and uh, doing that along with it. So it, I ended up, I was able to fully process it. But the discount, that was just the strangest sensation. So when people talk about, and when you can notice things happening in your body, they're more aware, even going out 
you know, and being more aware of what's happening, um, you know, to their, like when we get scared or nervous and our stomach just gets like kind of flooded with um, hormones and just feeling very tight, you know, in your belly when you get scared or something. It's kind of neat for people to notice. Um, so um, what I'm going to show you is what we call congruent breathing. In EMDR, it's a resource um, that we use. I use first, so I give them three. I do congruent breathing, and I'll do safe, calm place, and then we have a container. And I think we'll have time to do both the uh, the container and the congruent breathing. Um, they both kind of work. So I'm going to do this, and hopefully, I'll be able to do it correctly as a um, as a group. Um, and not really seeing you because typically I will talk with people as I do it. But so what I want you to do to set this up, um, I just kind of want you to get comfortable. It's going to be kind of like a little meditation, a little breathing meditation. Um, so please uh, participate if you're if you're able and willing. Um, so just kind of to start, let me turn some music on because I do that too in my office. So quiet. Um, all right, so what I'd love for you all to do is just get comfortable where you're sitting. And I want you to notice how your feet feel on the floor. Maybe wiggle your toes in your shoes to let them know that they're there. Realize they're there and feel them. Notice the backs of your legs on the seats and the back and how your legs and back are supported. And kind of focus on the area in the center of your chest. And as you're focusing on that area, imagine that your heartbeat is beating from this, from this spot. Your breath is slowing down and you are, um, Okay, while you're doing this, I want you to tap kind of slowly on your legs. Forgot to add that part in there. Just kind of tap, 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 tap on your legs. Okay. Good. Just kind of focus on that. You can tap your heels. You can, uh, you can do a butterfly hug this way. You can kind of tap on your hip. Yep, this way, or you can even interlace your thumbs if you want, and just alternately tap, okay? Just kind of slowly while we're doing this meditation, okay? All right, so, um, all right, so start back with your focus. I apologize for that. Um, just kind of notice where your body is on your chair, on your cushion, and bring your awareness to the center of your chest. Focusing on your heart rate, heartbeat coming from that area. Noticing your breath coming from this area in the center of your chest. And as you inhale, you might be able to imagine a color or a shape. The color as you inhale is getting brighter, bigger. And as you exhale, the shape or the color gets darker and smaller. And just noticing, and even if you're unable to imagine colors or shapes, you can just kind of feel the rise and fall of your, of your shoulders as you breathe, or your belly, or if you want to put your hand in your in your your hands over your chest and over your stomach, so you can feel that coming in. Kind of paying attention. Hopefully, there's a you're able to activate a positive sensation in your body with this breath. Notice how slow it's getting. Um, whatever you would like to to call that breath. Okay. 
And I want you all to stop and just kind of sit just for a second. And I want you to write down, if you would, what you would call that breath, what you would call that exercise, whether, you know, it's name it, um, you know, and notice kind of what color shape, what color or shape you're using. And kind of even write down what was happening with your color or shape. Just kind of in therapy, I will ask a client, you know, what, what did that what did that color look like? What was that color? Was it a shape? Was it a circle? Was it a square? How was the triangle moving? How was the square moving? Was it pulsating? You know, was it like a sun just getting bigger? Um, I'll ask them to describe in detail with all of these resources. I want you to describe in detail what you saw. Okay, so, so describing this, um, you know, say I see a yellow, a yellow circle, it's just getting bigger and it fades to nothing when it gets big and when it gets smaller, it gets darker and tiny, you know, almost a pinprint and then it gets bigger again and you just kind of notice this, this pulsing kind of way, just like a breath. I may even ask somebody to imagine the clothesline. I have the sheets on a clothesline and how they inhale, the sheets flow towards them. When they exhale, the sheets flow outwardly. So it's just this kind of natural movement. And then I'll have them describe the sheets. Are they white sheets? Is this whose yard is this in? You know, what is the what's the day like? Is the sun shining? What do you see? You know, I really want to engage you want to engage all the senses in these resources. Okay, so what I'd like for you to do now is um, I want you to think of a disturbance, as I said before, think of a disturbance that is maybe like a two or a three. So you don't want anything that's going to cause you to run out of the room. Usually these disturbances are something like um, somebody cut you off in traffic, uh, a rude cashier, uh, your dog pooped in the floor. Um, you know, these are things that you kind of go, ah, but then you get over it pretty quickly. And if anybody wants to share to do, you know, I guess you don't have to. It's just, it's unusual for me to do this without asking for feedback, asking for something in return. <laughs> um, so I want you to think of that disturbance. Okay. And then if you want to do it in the chat, um, you know, think of a disturbance and then notice where you feel that disturbance in your body. So where do you feel that disturbance? Sometimes with it's driving, people will feel it in their arms. Yeah. Does anybody want to share where they're feeling it? I feel it in my stomach. In your stomach. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So what we're going to do right now is I want you to tap again. I want you to tap slowly again. And then I want you to go back. I'm going to kind of guide you back into this breathing. Okay. And I want you to notice when the stomach pain goes away. Whenever that discomfort, you're going to notice when it goes away and then you can stop me. Okay, so I will do this for just a few seconds and we'll see if there's any movement for anyone. So again, so starting the tapping, I want you to notice again your feet. Notice where you're sitting, your arms, how your back and legs are supported. Breathing deeply, kind of set that inhale and imagine what you did before, that color or shape getting bigger and brighter. Settle down, get smaller. Nice little flow. You're focused on that breathing. You're focused on the shape or the color. Maybe even those sheets blowing in the wind. And then just notice when that discomfort in your belly is gone or whatever, wherever you felt your discomfort. Just notice that that's gone.
focusing on that breath. Were you able to make that go away, Valerie? The discomfort? Yeah, good. Awesome. Awesome. So, so the, um, is it, is anybody else doing this with me? Because I can't see you or hear you. So I, I bet Valerie's participating. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. All right. So, so the next, so this next time. So I want you to think of another disturbance. And this is, and this is how, just how I do it in the office. Okay. So I want you to think of another disturbance, another two or three. Okay. Um, Thing that again I didn't notice where you feel that disturbance in your body. Okay. Bringing awareness. What's going on? And maybe you can tell that your vagus nerve has gotten activated. You know. So this time, what's going to happen is I'm going to give you all probably. 90 seconds, like a minute and a half or so. And I want you to tap and I want you to imagine, do the breathing, imagine the color and the, or whatever you're imagining with the breath. You, you do that and you notice when the um, disturbance has gone away. Okay. All right. So you just, if you're participating, you did that. You um, hopefully were able to actually see how you have control over these body sensations and this feeling. So we're not focusing on, and you can also see how we're not focusing on the event or the memory. You're focusing on the body sensation, you know, because it's kind of what, what's happening here, you know, um, you know, so it is some CBT involved in that too, because you're, but you're bringing awareness to your body and being able to get that further under control. Um, this can also help things become not so awful and, you know, ruminating over stuff, you know, how we do, because we're humans. We don't just stop and eat after we get something. We want to talk about it and tell everybody and complain and yell and whatever else, you know, we want to get mad about it. So, in, um, while I'm doing this, what I'll do next, is I'll have them not tap. So I want you to think of another disturbance, okay? Another disturbance. And notice where that is in your body. Sometimes as therapists, we're like, well, I try not to let things bother me, <laughs> which I kind of do too. You know, what is a disturbance? Uh, most of the time it's an animal peeing on the floor or something um yeah (laughs) or not not hitting a litter box um you know so this time what i want you to do is just to kind of go into that meditation again and notice you don't have to tap this time so just notice when that uh disturbance goes away and i'll give you a few seconds to do that too
Okay. I hope people were able to reduce those uh, the studs level to zero and kind of feel that um, in, your, in your body there. Um, the, um, the one other thing that we do is uh, called, I don't know, I want to, I kind of want to do this one. Um, the container is another thing that, uh, so yeah, we'll do this one. So the container in EMDR is used when uh, someone gets kind of activated or a memory pops up that we don't really want to, um, we don't want to kind of take care of. Like I use an example, I'll say, well, suppose I'm processing with my therapist and we're working on my fear of crossing the street. And so my first, my earliest memory, which is what we usually start with, is when my, I saw my kitten get hit by a car. Okay, that didn't happen. Um, as I'm processing, I'm like, oh, well, now I'm thinking of the time that my nephew got hit by a car and broke his leg. And that did happen. Um, so my therapist might say, well, let's put the memory of your nephew in your container. Okay, and we will, you know, come back to that. You know, let's just put it there temporarily until we come back to it. So in my head, I will have imagined a... Um, a, uh, a container that has, it's strong enough to hold whatever um, I put in it. So the characteristics are it has to be strong enough to hold what you put in it. It doesn't have to hold all the bad things that you've ever happened to you. Okay. It just has to be small enough. People say, well, it's as big as this room. And it's like, no, we don't need, we don't need that kind, you know, but I've had lots of different, very creative containers uh, to be explained. And um, so you want to kind of, again, so, so for you all, I would like for you to imagine a container that is strong enough to hold what you want to put in it. It needs to have two way systems. So take things in, take things out. Can have a lid, a lock, a vacuum, um, a portal, a crystal, whatever. I've heard all kinds of things. Um, and then on the inside, you want it to be comfortable so that whatever you put in it will want to stay. Okay. Uh, one time I had a client say, "Well, I don't want to put my kitten memory in there with the with the se sexual assault." You know. Okay. Well, let's make compartments for your container. You know, let's make like a like a like a tackle box, you know, or a jewelry box that flips open, and you have that little tray on the top of it. Um, you know, so you know, some people want to have compartments, some people don't care to because you're just going to hold one one or two things at a time. Um, so I will ask them what comes up for you. You know, so Valerie, when you think about because you're, I can see you. <laughs> I'll pick on you. Um, what is a container? What do you? What does your container look like when your when your imagination starts going? I've thought of this, so I already have a container, but and it's kind of strange, but it's like a robot kind of that's holding a really strong box, and it can disappear and come. So when I snap my fingers, it comes out. So I can. Ooh, I love it. it. Yeah, I love it. it, I love it. But it's always yeah. there. It's always okay. available. Okay. So. okay, so yours is the kind of thing. So. That's another thing I'm going to do. I'll ask, well, how are you going to access this container? You know, where is it going to be? You know, some people might say, oh, it's just a tote that's in the garage. I can easily access it. Sometimes it's a, it's on a pedestal in a museum with a big beam of light on it. And I just mm -hmm. go up to it and, and open it up. Um, I had a lady say she did crystals. She's like a geode. And when she opens up the geode, it's got all these crystals in it. And I was like, well, how are you going to get your stuff in there? And she's like, I look my energy. And I'm like, okay. you know. So there's all kinds of very, very creative ways to do this. you know. So um, with this one, I asked them in detail, what color is it? What kind of hinges does it have on it? You know, um, what does it feel like? You know, let's touch it. You know, I want you to imagine you're touching it. I want you to... You know the inside. What is it? What's what makes it good on the inside? So, so Valerie, what's on the inside of your box that um, that makes it comfortable? What what can you imagine putting in there? You know, I've never thought of that. I just needed it to be strong. You know, okay. so I don't okay. know. I guess 
some kind of a soft cloth lining. I don't know. I never thought of it. Yeah. Because a lot of stuff I put in there, I don't, it's not good. It's usually nasty stuff. So I don't want it to be comfortable. I don't care. Just walk it in there. Never thought of that. (laughs) Sure, sure, yeah. So, and that, that makes sense too. And some people are like that. They're like, I don't really want it to be, you know, comfortable or they're have it like an, I dream a genie bottle. If some of you are old enough to remember that, you know, where it's, it's pink and cushy and I've got pillows and I've got, you know, all the stuff and, you know, just the stopper on the top of the bottle. Um, so you really want to describe that. So I would have you now kind of write down what your container looks like. Just so you can kind of vividly, because I can ask you really. Um, for everybody. So just kind of really, really see your container. All right, now I want you to do some tapping again, some light tapping. Yeah, it's good, Dad. Um, so do some light tapping, and I want you to imagine you're going to walk through this process of, you know, finding your container, where it is, where is it, um, let's go to it and imagine that you are walking up to it or it has appeared, however you need to do it, and you remove the top. And you kind of have to imagine too, like how, you know, how will you um, get your thought in there? Can we like blow it in a container? Um, some person may sing it's like a vapor and they can pull it, or they just pull it out of their head and kind of put it in the box. Like it's just you know, um, magic, you know, use your, use your magic, your mental magic to, Put that thing in there, in your container there. And then replace the lid and put that container back where it was be, whether it's in a closet or under a bed or on a pedestal or it just, just all of a sudden appears. Imagine it's appearing and you can walk away from it. And that event is in there. You can feel safe knowing that there is a place for your memories and your thoughts to go that you don't really have to deal with right now. Come in a more appropriate time, you can bring it back to counseling. And when you come back in, we can open that container back up then. Okay. So um, with that, I mean, was that kind of, was that a good experience for people? If you could just say, say so in the chat. Or important, or here. I'm just saying, I really like that the description of the container. You similar thing, but that was much more detailed. I like that for the process, explaining, talking about it more. Yeah, very helpful. Yeah, thank Thanks. you. Yeah. So, so what I have so similarly with the um, as with the uh, the breathing, um, I have them tap. Okay, okay. Let's let's think of a disturbance. You know, so I spend a whole session and we have to think of nine disturbances because, you know, I know, because we go through it. I'm like, okay, here we go again. We're back to this process, you know, and by the container part, you know, and then they have a choice. They're like, oh, well, I like the container better. That seems to work better for me. Or if they say, I'm not imagining a safe, calm place. I don't know what that's like. I can't, can't do that. Okay, let's not do it. Let's not waste, waste, waste the few minutes we have doing the, doing the safe, calm place, you know just trying to find something that works for them you know so again we go through the um you know i'll say think of a disturbance let's tap so by then they have told me what their container looks like and i can do a meditation with them you know let's touch the hinges on it let's see see how cold it is feel it you know it's metal let's feel that cold metal you know notice how shiny it is if it's pink pink uh early pink color or something you know so I get them kind of to engage all of their senses, you know, their mental senses, 
in that. And then, so we go through that and they're like, yeah, it's gone. Wow. And sometimes it's kind of, again, it's notice where that disturbance is. Let's put this memory and the disturbance into the box. And I do that three times. So the first time it's with me talking and them tapping. The second time it's just the tapping and doing it by themselves. And the third time they're doing it all by themselves without tapping. Because how often are you in Walmart and you get overwhelmed and you can't tap and close your eyes and do all that, you know? So you just have to kind of do it, do it, uh, do it mentally. But there are, and then there's other resources with a light, you know, a beam of light is shining down your head and it's, you know, filling up your body, at your feet and you're just getting full with this nice warm light and just kind of, you know, there's lots of different things. But, um, the safe, calm place is also used like that. It's very detailed. So I'm like, what's a, what's a place real or imagined that you've ever been, you know? So they're telling me about it before we really, and then sometimes I'll go ahead and start the tappers while they're talking about it so that I can, and then, um, you know, it's also soothing. You're installing it, you know, the dual attention. You're kind of installing this good feeling into their system so that they have a, a connection with it. You know, it's kind of, yeah, connection. Okay. Does anybody have any questions? That's, that's what I have. I'm glad it finished up in an hour. Any help to understand when you said you can picture a person or something to take into that memory with you. Mm -hmm. Is that right? And I've heard that before, like in different trainings and they'll say they'll take superheroes with them. And, who, and I never understood that. And so you help clarify that. I appreciate it. I was like, what do you yeah. do with them? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So you come up, so another resource is coming up with a, um, a protector. You know, mm -hmm. so think about a, uh, Thor. Or, you know, and it can be a cartoon character. I mean, nobody, you know, or a grandma, if the grandma was good. You know, you don't want anybody to associate anything, any safe, calm place with, with trauma. You know, mm -hmm. so if the safe, calm place includes dad and dad was abusive, no, we're not going to have dad there. You know, let's not do the safe, calm place. You know, so we don't want to have it associated with anything. 